Hey guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week on the pod, we have Zach Tui, absolute star, Irishman, and now the game's record holder for Irish player, which is absolutely incredible. Um, apologies for the croaky voice. I went to Loyal Kana concert uh, the other last night. It was absolutely incredible. Had a couple beers. Now I'm feeling it. But uh, this chat was recorded prior, so luckily I'm going to be in a better shape to do it. But um, no, Zach's episode and story is absolutely incredible. Um, I knew him from our Carlton days playing together. To come over from another sport, away from family, and about a dominated game like he has is is nothing short of uh, incredible, to be honest. And then going and winning a flag with the Cats tops off that story, but there's plenty more to come um, throughout that. So, yeah, spoke about Zach's journey, the ups and downs, spoke about his time at the Cats, spoke about who he is outside of footy. We spoke a lot about fatherhood as well and um, the dads we want to be and that was really enjoyable actually talking about that. And we also had a lot of analogies um, throwing around left, right and centre. So Zach and I both love our quotes there too and managed to butcher every single one of them. So probably none of them make sense. But hope you enjoy the pod and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. IlyXX, thanks so much. Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub and says, you know, you're going well, Brian. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable, uncomfortable. Mm. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Apparently a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by Stingray, mate. I'm just yelling at him, oh, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Hey, we're on. How are you, man? I'm good, I'm good. What's that? Did you, did you drink your coffee? Yeah, sorry. I thought there was like a sponsorship <laughs> fine, coffee mate. deal it's here. Not, or... No, no, not at all. Mm. Um, Zach Tui, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's an absolute honour, pleasure, privilege to have you in. Man, thanks for having me. Um, it should have happened sooner. I it left should you, have I left you, That's sooner. my fault. I left you high and dry a few no, months ago, fine. but it's good to be here. Man, I should have got you years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably my bad. I don't think you ever came on discussions with Dylan. No, I didn't. Yeah. How long how long were you doing that at the Blues before you moved away? We were for our last year. <laughs> what was your last year? Um, I actually am really bad with dates. I never quite remember. I reckon 2017. Yeah, yeah. So cuz mine was 16. So I reckon we, it was 16 then years. maybe. Yeah, you never got me on and that no. was going for a while before I yeah, left. Yeah. It was I I you know what? I reckon I don't reckon you would have come on back then. <laughs> you were too, you know, abrupt. What, what? Okay, let's get to the point now. So when we were playing, I've got to apologize to you because I used to healthily bully you. And when I say bully, <laughs> there was both ways bullying. But the amount I would bully yourself, Dennis Armfield, yeah. Sam Doherty, Kieran Sheehan. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone else there was that would go off and waste their time playing golf on their days off. And now look at you. And now I go... Wow, I wish I was playing with you guys. Yeah, but I, I, it was just pulling the pigtails of the girl you like in the schoolyard. Yeah. That's all it was <laughs> yeah, like. It was. But man, it catches, doesn't it? Like it once does. you get into it, it's that one shot that like pulls you back every round. <sighs> yeah, it's like surfing. So not that I can surf, but also when can. well, I, I paddle. But when you are out in the in the water, like you can be out there for four hours. Yeah. And as, as long as you just catch one little bit of a wave, you're like, I'll come back next week. Yeah, it's, the same it's as golf. Yeah, it, and golf's exactly the same. So we started playing real heavy at that time. Dennis, mm. Doc was really into it. There was a good crew. Um, and it was a massive circuit breaker for me at the time because at the time we started playing like this, when my first kid came along um, with my now wife, Rebecca, um, footy, I was still sort like I was still sort of finding my way. Like it mm. was a massive escape. At the time, now I just for fun and I love playing, but I reckon it was a little bit more at the time for me than just, you know, just golf or just something to do. 
Yeah. Mate, I'm so keen to get you on today and obviously so blessed to, to have you in the studio. And I think it's it's an easy one to look at what you've done of late. Obviously, congratulations on breaking the game's record. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Okay, before I get into that, if you had to look back now and say to yourself you would have done that, what would you have said to yourself? Do you think that it was yeah, possible? Yeah, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. So it's it's there's a couple of things. Um, Satanta uh, O'Halpin, who was there when I got to the club, did you play with Setsi? Yeah. Or was he no, gone? no, he. Can't, I left. Oh, the you year had he was him there. at the Giants, or no? No, no we both. Oh, we you just dodged over. him. Yeah. Setsi, great man. Um, but he used to always say that the a great goal for the Irish guys was a hundred games. That if you could get a hundred games, given your background, given you didn't grow up playing the game, that was a massive achievement. And at that time, it seemed like you know forever away. Mm. Um. So anyway, got you, you get your first game and you just start rattling them off and, um. I do remember struggling to get into the team for my first game, but I don't ever really remember thinking like, oh, this isn't going to work for me. Or like, like I don't remember, I was a little bit homesick at different stages, but I never remember thinking, oh, I just, I can't hack it or like this isn't going to work. Now, I must have had those thoughts at some stage. Um, but to get from there to, mate, the build up to that game a couple of weeks ago, yeah, was like, I, I didn't expect it at all. So... <laughs> I'm kind of getting goosebumps thinking about it. I wasn't sure, honestly, how big a deal it would be perceived externally. So I knew Geelong would kind of make a big deal about it because, you know, they're great at celebrating their own. Mm. Um, but the attention it got externally kind of blew me away. And um, Tiernan Steins, Sam Steins came to the game, which also kind of caught me off guard. Mm. And, and I got the presentation afterwards. And I was way more emotional than I was expecting to be because... Like last year was great. We won the flag. And then this year I kind of got the record and so much of my career was built towards, well, the flag really was the big one. But to then also have the record, it, like, I don't know how to describe it, but you get a bit philosophical about life. Mm. Like I, I was 19 when I came out. I've spent my entire adult life in Australia. I said this after, I think, the Sydney draw when I was being interviewed. I feel like I Australia an awful lot. Like 19 came out, I've now had a whole career in the AFL, I'm married with two kids, married to an Aussie, Australian kids, I've gotten to have the whole AFL career, it's, it's gone really well. So in the aftermath of that and looking at, I had Jim's jumper in my locker, I was just like really just teetering on the edge of like, you know, quivering lip and mm. stuff. And so I don't know how to describe it, but it was incredible. It's a long journey. What like, like into that self-reflection and it's bigger than the game itself. Like you said, you go back in your mm. life and think about it now. I'm really big on like closing doors moments and I always think back to, because as much as we like to think there's one thing that, you know, changed our life, that we entered one door and something changes, the other happens. There's, it's not. It's like minimal, tiny little shifts mm -hmm. of, of life that like get us to where we are. And for me, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and it's like in that period of not getting the opportunity to go to Sydney because that like really changed things for me, just like made me grow up and learn new things. I had to put myself out of my comfort zone. Like I wasn't living where I always was in my own backyard. Now, whilst your backyard was a lot further away than mine was, the benefit of the benefit and the hardness of moving away from loved ones, like can you explain mm. on a bigger scale how that is for you? Like so much so hard because you're away but the amount you grow as an individual yeah yeah uh, mate like you're you're either around your family or you're not like it it doesn't really matter how far away you are and for me like i said the first little period of my career um the homesickness got overshadowed by just the excitement of being yeah. somewhere new and it was only in the moments where things weren't going great that i really felt kind of homesick in that 
Um, it's hard now to know if I just grew up and matured because I had to, or if like the environment of Australia, of Carlton is what molded me into who I am. Mm. It's, it's some combination of the two. But when I look back now on some of those moments you're talking about, like there's a, there's a heap and there's some really big ones where like, had I made the decision that I was thinking about making, I just, I hate to think about how my career could have panned out. There was a couple of times I was genuinely close to packing it in. Really? Like really. And I'm not, I'm not talking like I'm a bit homesick. I'm talking Googling jobs in Ireland trying to see if there was, not that I was very well paid, but I was virtually, um, like my, oh, like I came straight from school out here. So the only qualification I had was kind of secondary school. And then I played a couple of years of AFL. And at that stage, I wasn't going home walking into any big jobs. Mm. Um, and at the time, it was, it was when my first son had come along and I was really homesick. Um, but because of, you know, Beck, my partner, gets me through it and uh, some good coaches and friends and all that, you just kind of hang on. And now I'm, I've I've had last year play out the way it did. I, I got the Jim Steins record, which I am super proud of, although it feels a bit weird. Um, I'm just so grateful that um, that I did. Stick it in. Well, that I stick it in. Yeah. And the other thing that scares me, to be honest, is like what you're talking about. If the opportunity to play AFL hadn't come up, I don't think I would have left. And now I love yeah. back home and I might go back home post-career, but I would hate to be the version um, of myself who didn't leave and didn't get to experience the world. And now that I do have two kids, they're going to have a couple of passports, so they will be mixing between so the two. Cool. But when they get to 18, 20, 21, I'll be pretty keen to shove them out the door and tell them to go experience the world, go and take a bit of time. Like hopefully I'll be able to be in a position where I can maybe help them go and travel for six months or a year because the world's a lot bigger than your backyard and you'll grow so much more out there than you will in here. Yeah. Um, Is that a big message for the boys? Like oh, I'm a new mm, father now and yeah. I've got this 16 and I'm not pushing him out the door just yet because he can't sort of like walk or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like, I'm just, as much as I'd miss him, I'm just like, mate, you've one day I want you to just go and experience the world because I know what it did 100%, for me. Yeah, 100%, man. Like like I said, I would have been, I'm sure if I had stayed home, I would have been very happy. All my yeah. family are there and I would have played sports and that's great. But knowing now what I what I know, I was like, I just don't think I could let my kid grow up and not encourage them to go and experience the world. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. And like, like I think about I think, it. sorry to jump in, I think the coolest thing from my sp perspective that you've done isn't like winning a grand final. It isn't necessarily uh, beating the game's record. It's the fact that you've taken a risk as a young kid to just move overseas. Like, and then that shows the level of that, you mm. know, decision when you were that age like that's yeah. what i think i admire you most for sticking it out for that well not sticking it out not even getting here and making it your own and as conor mcgregor would say it's not even taking part it's taking over yeah yeah well i appreciate it but i mean for me it's like um i always tell this story but the first time i ever came out i came on a two-week trial mm. and um i flew through heathrow in in london and heathrow's massive like you've been to I, been, been, I don't know if I've been to Heathrow Airport. Oh, man, it's like a city. You get a train yeah. between terminals, yeah. and I'd never travelled anywhere by myself. And I was lost. And I started <laughs> tearing up in the airport. I couldn't find the gate. Genuinely, I was 17. It was, wow. before, it was just my trial. like So it wasn't when I came for pre-season. And I was genuinely tearing up because I thought I was going to miss the flight. And uh, I, remember, I remember a security guard could tell that I was flustered. I was looking at the screens. And he kind of ushered me to the gate. And he was really good. He was like, don't worry. Like I know it says you're boarding now, but you've got time. And... I eventually made it. I actually hated that two-week trial too. Really didn't like the experience. But I knew myself that if after being so desperate to play AFL, if I let kind of one negative experience stop me from going back, I'd never forgive myself. Mm. So I made myself come back for the following preseason. Thank God I did. 
Um, but you're right, it's just that initial uncomfort. All these things pass. It's like anything in life, like any injury or if anything negative happens, it like it will pass. Mm. It just doesn't feel like it at the time. And yeah, when I was wandering around Heathrow Airport, shit, I had some demons. I was like, what am I doing here? But I was only 17. I, I didn't know what was going on. 100%. Back to what you were saying before about, you know, the fear of like knowing what you've done now mm. and, and what it could have been. There's this awesome quote that I love that I'll, I'll butcher because <laughs> I always do, but it was actually on Joe Rogan as well, funnily enough. And it was like, this is very dark at the start. It says like the real hell is when a man, real hell is when man a man realizes you help if you help me. Is this the, <laughs> yeah. when the man you could have been yeah, meets yeah, yeah, the man is a, that you are or yeah. the man you are meets the man you could have been? Yeah, something that's like it. That. So yeah. you go to hell and you realize the man you are reaches the man that you could have been. And yeah. I think that's a big one for me is always like going, when my day ends and if that is true, like yeah. I want to meet the guy that I, I have the potential to be, not the person that I could have been or vice versa. Yeah, person. there's a few of those. It's like the other one is um, if you think the price of success is high, wait till you get the bill for regret. Oh, yeah. You know, those type yeah. of ones. So it they keeps are. me up at night. Yeah. 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 The <laughs> other one that I really like from him, just on this quickly, is like, and you like this because what we are talking about before, is pretending that you're in a movie all the time. So you're always, you always, you <laughs> pretend that you're in a documentary for your whole life and it's like, if the film camera is there filming everything, like, are you going to mm. lay in bed? Like, that's the yeah, most yeah. boring documentary in the fucking world, what this guy's sleeping in until, like, 10 a.m. Yeah. Like, that's the shittest doco. Like, you want to have the coolest <laughs> shit yeah, on yeah. this documentary. So sometimes when I'm doing stuff, I'm like, now this is a shit doco. Like, I need to go out and actually, like, do some shit here that's going to excite people. That's a nice little... Um I used to, yeah, I always had cues when I was playing about how I knew I was switched off. Yeah. I reckon that'd be a good one to tell yourself if you're not doing what you should be. It's like, fuck, this is shit doc Yeah. Minute. Well, like if you're doing something you shouldn't be, just tell yourself, this is shit doc You actually up. are on screen as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that technically should work for you. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of we're like young blokes coming into car, and I speak a lot about this just from my own perspective and point of view. How did you find like your first few careers there fitting in with like culture of elite sport, mm. um, having this mix of being liked versus being respected? friendship but also taking positions of other guys of a game that you haven't played so you want to come and make friends because you don't have much support network over here and then also you're trying to cut it out in a career that you know if you don't support then you're going to be home anyway yeah it was yeah it was tough like for me i, I never thought about that bigger scale i was very yeah. fairly insular like I, I was training with the vfl trying to learn the game um, it was actually, funnily enough, we did one preseason. We had an exercise to do in the preseason. It, it must have been before I debuted, or maybe it was the year after I debuted, and I'd played a few games the year before, but it was um, broken up into groups, and you had to pick the team for round one. So you're in certain groups, and I can remember like the group I was in, I obviously wasn't super well established. So they were kind of asking me, do you think you should be in? I can't even remember if I said yes or no. I probably said no. I was fairly timid kind of personality. And they're asking me why, and I was like, oh, this is really confronting for me. Like, I don't want to say that, like, who would have been playing at the time? Like, Jordan Russell, mm. best bloke ever, cracking player. But, like, he's playing halfback, let's say, at the time. I didn't want to say, oh, Nuffa, who's also great to me. I was like, yeah, I reckon I can knock him out. Like, that's not really what it's, it's not how I ever thought of it in my head. Um, but fortunately for me, I mean, it, it is cutthroat sport, and everybody gets that. And I don't ever recall a situation where a player gets dropped for another player and there was any animosity between mm. them. Um, it's actually a marker of a really good team and a good club when there is uh, a lot of competition for spots. But um, I never thought about it, to be honest, mate. I just was more worried about figuring out what was going on. Do you know one thing I was terrified about the game when I started playing my first intra-club? This will tell you how far behind the eight ball the Irish guys start. Mm. 
my biggest concern going out into the inter club was um, I was freaking out about when to come on and off the ground. I was so scared about. I was like, "How do you know? I don't understand how you can just run off in the middle of a game. Like it's terrifying." And they were kind of looking at me like, "You don't want to talk about structures or anything." I was like, "Nope." <laughs> Not when, just when do I get off? And this is like the stuff you worry about when you don't grow up the yeah. sport. But um, oh, I was too busy trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah, there was also a really good part that I remember you saying a lot of the time because you are a beautiful kick. And it was around the fact that, like, you guys don't have the time to learn bad habits. Yeah. And you think about I think you explained it to me one day. You were like, imagine being obviously an elite athlete in another sport, but then coming and being coached 24 hours, 24-7 from elite coaches mm. on how to do something. Yeah, it's the blank canvas mm. argument, isn't it? It's that, like... Um, if, if if you already have no bad habits, you're obviously not going to teach them bad habits. Yeah. And the Irish guys have their own kind of kicking style. We um, we tend to arc a lot and we do have some stuff that is fairly kind of unique to, to us just because of how GA is played. Um, but I give a lot of credit to... Uh, so David Teague was my first um, academy coach when I first went out. Herbie Harris, Darren, Darren Harris. Harris yeah. um, like Webby, Luke Webb. So all these guys put a lot of work in early on. Like I do remember doing an awful lot of kicking, um, like post-training or on our days off with those guys. Um, I can remember like fitness coach Jesse having to pull me in between drill or between um, training sessions and stuff because I was staying out and just kicking and kicking. The benefit for me was that I actually found it really fun. Like genuinely just a fun thing to do was to kick mm. like a, a Sharon, like because obviously I come from a a round ball and the novelty just never wore off. So I found it so easy to work on it. I would walk around with it. And I actually knew for a couple of years before I came to Australia that I was probably going to be coming out. So I used to watch it. Um, when I speak to the younger Irish guys, I always tell them, the, I, I think the biggest advantage I had is that I watched it like pretty re religiously for two wow. years. So I used to watch all the highlights. Like it wasn't as easy to get then as it is now, but the highlights were on every weekend and you could go online and have a look at them and... I just think the constant looking at the action helped, but no bad habits has to be. That's really interesting. So I didn't know that actually. Yeah. I, I thought that you sort of just were dominating in your field and they're like, let's get him out of nah, here. But nah. you sort of- it was, a, it was a longer process than that. Yeah. Yeah, it was longer. And it's actually that whole idea of watching this, like, um, it's funny, like I went and gave a talk to a school when I was back home and I was just chatting about whatever I was talking about, like training and respect and because you're talking to 14, 15 year old mm. blokes, like it's a pretty dangerous group if they're not guided. So you try and give them a, a solid enough message. And I asked at the end, did anybody have, uh, have questions about training or anything like that? And not a single hand went up. So they all stood up and started to leave and a group of four or five lads came over to me afterwards and they were asking me like genuinely, like pretty thoughtful questions about training. One of them was, um, he was actually working, he wasn't injured. He said, I, I, I do a lot work in my family shop after school and I don't get to go and train as much as I'd like. Like, is there anything I can do? I thought, I wasn't thinking about that when I was his age. Mm -hmm. I know that. Um, but I genuinely, hand on heart, believe looking like looking closely at an individual player or an individual skill, if you're a golfer or whatever it is, like looking is reviewing and watching stuff. But just like if, if you want to play like somebody, don't just watch the game, like watch what they do. If you want to mm. like, be, we'd all love to move like pendles. And if you want to have a little bit of that in your game, you need to watch him. You can't just walk around going, oh, he's great. I wish I could do that. Like he, he couldn't always do that. He mm. learned it from somewhere. But I just thought it was, it was a pretty insightful question about how, how you can improve when you're not physically able to get out and do the action. And I really believe that like looking, like watching the sport. And for me, AFL was so new mm. that it was like, yeah. 
who just, did you watch or who do you watch now? Like, who do well, you at the time, I, uh, so I was just watching a lot of the highlights. At that stage, I wasn't watching individuals really close. But um, when I got to Carlton, there was two players I watched, Grant Birchall and, um, oh God, this is shocking. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Where was he from? Uh, Bulldogs went to Gold Coast, played almost 300 games. Jared Harbour. Jared Harbour, I'm so sorry. He's uh, one of my favourite players <laughs> yeah, going through. I just totally drawn a blank. <laughs> but they were actually the two halfbacks I watched yeah. just because of how they were pretty offensive in their ball use and uh, they were the kind of guys I wanted to play like. So I used to get their edits and watch them during the week in the build-up to my game, even more so than my own for a period of time. So yeah, I used Huge. to look at those. Yeah. Um, I have a question here. I don't know if this is going to where this is going but from where you are now to where you've been throughout your whole career I think it's easy to look at from even knowing you I feel like not much has really phased you throughout mm. a career like I don't know if it's a persona that you can put on mm. or or whatnot but would it be fair like that, that comment of a 10-year overnight success I know it's not true everyone goes through ups and downs you said before about yeah. wanting to go home like where has been some struggling sort of times throughout your career to to get you to where you are now yeah, there's been a few. So, like, the biggest one was... do you was, agree on the fact that, like, do you know... Like, yeah, do you I, think you have grown in that space of being able to be more vulnerable in that space or yeah, from where you were earlier? I think I'm fantastic at saying the right things to, like, younger players about how they should approach this. Yeah. I've actually thought a bit about this. So, the same kind of traits I feel like I have that have let me, let's say, like, like play through some injuries and, and kind of rack up games because I had a good period where I didn't miss and yeah, I, I think... I was that? One it was... Yeah, no, nah, nah, I wasn't. It was one thirty odd games, and then hurt my knee. But even even in the meantime, I don't feel like I've missed many games, and I think I'll probably play games maybe that some other players wouldn't. Mm. And I'm quite happy with that. Like I'm quite I'm quite proud of that. Um, Through physical stuff, yeah, or? like just physical yeah. stuff. Yeah, sorry, not like anything bad, but just genuine injuries that. Um, and and I genuinely like that about myself. There's not many things I'm kind of proud of, and you know. But that's one. But the kind of trait I have that I think lets me do that is just a bit of like. Fuck it, like I'm just, go I'm just gonna go. I don't care if I'm sore. I'm just gonna play, right? I'm just gonna get through it. I don't need to talk to you about it. I, I'm just need gonna get through it. That's great for playing games of football, but in moments where you're not feeling great, like emotionally, mm. I feel like, especially, um, yeah, like, like I keep using the example of when my first son came along. I, it was a great time in my life, but there was just a little period at start where it was, it was a big change, no family around. I was, I had the same attitude then when I wasn't feeling great. It was just well just get on with it mm -hmm. like of course it's tough just get on with it that's not the approach when you're maybe emotionally not as stable as you should be so I was kind of um, burdened by you know in some situations by the same trait that was helping me in other situations um, and to be honest like I, I'm really big on now if there is something going on you, you just you need to speak about it and I think mm -hmm. we're pretty good as a, a society now or certainly better than maybe we were I know the circles I move in and the guys I play with are like I could happily speak to any of them about any of this stuff mm. now. There'd be no um, mockery or, you know, anything like that. But um, to be honest, mate, like when, when I did struggle with homesickness or with form or whatever, um, my attitude was just to plough on and it's probably not a healthy one. It's incredible, isn't it? Like our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. 100%. And I find that so much with everything in mm. my life. But something that super changed a lot of my opinions on that, I had this podcast with a guy named Tom Harkin who – refers to this stuff as range and he's like you can have range as a man it's like you can be stoic you can be hard you can be strong mm. in certain situations where it holds you in great stead but it's not going to hold you in great stead for everything mm. so it's like the ability to be able to bounce from being stoic and hard strong because that dogged mentality that 
like ruthlessness, that competitiveness that you have yeah. is incredible. You want to keep that. And to be honest, that's so important to being a healthy man. Yeah. But then the other part of being a range man, like, no, let's turn that off for now and use this other part. Yeah. It's like the next the next part. And I think that a lot of this stuff these days, we do talk a lot. And one message that I have with these podcasts, I go, fuck, you know, maybe I do talk a bit about vulnerability and these things too much. Like, don't lose the fact that mm. these are great skills to have as well, but know when to bounce on each yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, and I reckon having kids changes you a bit on yeah. that as well. Because I'm like, I, I, I wouldn't want either of my lads to approach adversity the same way I do, yeah. just putting your head down and plowing on. And um, I'm not sure there was, I'm sure there was some days I probably wasn't great to be around. And that's not fair on the people around you either. Like, um, it's not their fault. Mm. Little thing with the my eldest, he played in a, a grand final in soccer in his little four side under 10s. And they, they won it, they won 8-7. It was a cracking game, by the way. Like, yeah. seriously, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but they, they were... Like three one down maybe at one stage and I could see he was getting a bit upset because um, he's oh, I'm actually wrapped that he wants to win because he's not as sporty as I was but he's really invested in it yeah. and I was like that's great and anyway they won and he was really excited and it was, I feel like it was almost the first time I had a proper like kind of man to man chat with him on the way home because he's only nine like yeah. I don't need to be telling him too much just yet but it was kind of like you know mate like. I lose games. I was sort of telling him we lost the grand final in 2020 because he sort of gets how big all that stuff yeah. is now. Um, and I was like, you know, like when the chips are down, it's okay to go out and lose with your mates. Like go out and help them and, and be the guy out there. And I was trying to sort of, and he, he was getting it. He was saying yes. And um, sorry, now I'm waffling a bit. No, but I'll I tell you, the, I'll I tell you the story. I told, do. I told him this story in the car, <laughs> yeah. which I heard uh, on a podcast, I'm sure. But it was the Chinese farmer. Oh, I love this story. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll probably get it slightly wrong. No, we we never get them right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the, lives on a farm with his son and they've got one horse. Is this the one you? Please keep going. So this is a Chinese farmer has a farm. It's just uh, the horse and his son. That's all that's on the, on the farm. And, And one day the horse runs away and everybody gathers around and says, you know, that's horrible news. That's terrible. Like, that's awful. And the farmer says, well, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. We don't know yet. The next day, the horse comes back with two more horses. So now they've got three horses and everybody's gathered around saying, oh, that's fantastic. How good is that? That's brilliant. And he says, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's great. We don't know yet. The next day, the son gets on one of the horses trying to break him in and and train the horse and he gets bucked off the back and falls and hurts his back. He can't walk. And everybody gathers around and says, you know, that's that's awful. That's so bad. Farmer says, well, maybe it is. We don't know. Next day, army officer arrives at the door saying they've gone to war and we're uh, enforcing conscription for all the healthy, young, abled men Mm. to go and fight in the war. And he says, well, my son can't. He just got injured. He can't go. And everybody says, that's brilliant news. That's great. And the farmer says, well, maybe it is. And you can go on and on Mm. and on and you can add as many steps to this as you want. And I told him that story in the car trying to tell him like it seemed like it was bad that you were two or three one down in the game but now you have this great story about you came back and you won and I told him that story and I said like I didn't explain it so I, I finished at the conscription bit and I said do you, do you get what I'm saying and he was like yeah um, like sometimes things like ca- can be good even if they don't feel like they're good and I was driving in the car going oh, I, I just did it dad. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just did a dad, dad thing like, that was a real dad oh, thing my, that, that was like is... my first like oh that was like a man man to man little <laughs> thing we just did there I was like good for me nine years in first dad that's moment that's unreal yeah yeah legitimately that was like and that's only a couple of weeks ago yeah that's awesome, the first man. time we kind of had yeah. I, like, I try and have them with Max already so like just and he's just like what but the part about that is so interesting, especially when, you know, we talk about that flex of being stoic and being able to do, you know, have these relationships. Like, mm. 
the big thing for me before coming becoming a dad and I don't know if it's similar to the thing that you struggled with like you know I had family around but I was like I don't know what sort of like relationship or like how to even do this like <laughs> when I was having a um, kid for some reason I always thought it was going to be a girl and like for some I just was like oh it's a girl yeah like just didn't even think about it and I was like oh daddy daughter you know that's going to be awesome and then when it was a when he was a boy, I found out he was a boy I just sort of like freaked out I was yeah, like what? Yeah, yeah I was like I just don't know how to like how am I going to be a good dad, you know? Like I thought I could be a good dad to a girl, but I didn't know if I could be a good dad to a mm. boy. And it just fucking, it freaked me out. Like yeah. really rattled me. Like I can remember leaving the hospital with Flynn, my eldest, and um, I remember thinking this is bonkers. Like mm. they're just letting me walk out with this baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it's my baby, <laughs> know, but like you didn't tell me what to do. I, I, don't, I don't, like do I have to book him in for school now? Oh, like, mate, it's so, the shit so you're that just you winging it, through, aren't you? You are. But, um, I remember in the hospital as well, like Jazz is going through like some really bad um, contractions and stuff and she's screaming at me and I was like, walked out and I'm like, um, hey, so she's in pain. Can we sort of progress this and and do it? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, I think we just want to go with the C-section now. And they're like, it doesn't really work like that. I was like, we're going to have to do something here. Like I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Full freaking yeah, out. Yeah, it's confronting, out. man. It is. It's confronting. It's good though. Grounding. It's so good. Kids. Have you found as well, like with um, I can't imagine I've had kids playing sport. Mm -hmm. You know that sleepness and stuff like that. But I suppose when I say it, it's similar to what I'm doing now. And I think that when I'm here, yeah, so, yeah. I'm so <clears> focused, <throat> get the job done. But as soon as I go home, I really do switch off and know there's a bigger picture to everything. Yeah, there's a bit of that, and it has challenges. Um, but to be honest, so even that first year of my first son. Like the good so outweighs the bad. Yeah. And it actually outweighs the bad a lot of times when things aren't going great. Like they're, it's, man, it's so, it was so much fun seeing your kids post game. Yeah. And it still is. But like when you haven't had kids before and you have your first one and you win or even when you lose, it's just kind of like it just grounds you in a way that nothing did before. Um, so those moments are super special. And anytime, anytime they're at games or in the club is incredible. Mm. But um, yeah, there was some sleepless nights and I'm sure my form, dipped and ebbed and flowed in that first year but geez the good outweighed the bad like it was really cool yeah moving moving from the blues to the cats mm. i can't remember how this went down was it did you request a trade was there contracts on hold like how did it all play down because i know they did they they didn't want to lose you well yeah so it was a strange one um i really didn't want to leave for, yeah. from it was 2016 was my last year and for most of that year i was really adamant i wanted to stay and be a one club player and um, do all that so it became pretty clear to me towards the end of the year that like I probably wasn't maybe as required as I thought um, yeah and things a little bit sloppy and ugly towards the end but mm. um, may, to be honest yeah it became pretty clear to me certainly in the immediate aftermath of the season in the postseason um, when things were still like we were still talking quite healthily I guess and it just went downhill really quick in the space of about a week or two um, and I just felt as though like I, I said this at the time uh, sorry I said this recently again in an interview um, I felt pretty much like I was and understandably so third fiddle to uh, Doc and Cade Simpson mm. Cade's a bit of a football hero to me you obviously know him very well as well Doc is like one of the best halfbacks I think we've seen in last 10 years even though he missed so much football so that was kind of reasonable but it just felt like um my value after that just felt 
like made, oh, I had days that I felt like two foot tall. Mm. I just didn't feel very valued. But that was fine. Like that's just footy and sometimes that happens. But when it became obvious to me I had to leave, there was really only one club I wanted to get to. Um, and that's because uh, like Geelong's reputation kind of amongst players from other clubs, like it was pretty well known how good the players have it and we, we have it pretty well just with scheduling and, and kind of how we're looked after. Um, I was like, well, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to go somewhere that'll give me a shot at success and you can't guarantee it anywhere. But at that stage, Geelong, uh, well, uh, they have been my whole time there. Mm. They were pretty good at like remaining competitive and it just got to a point where I was like, yeah, I, I can't stay here. So did you approach them with management or did they approach you? Was it a... Um, no, at the time, I don't actually remember if I said it to him, to be honest, because I'm not sure how, uh, it was obviously my first time doing that process. Yeah. So Lockie Henderson went the year before me. Hendo's yes. a good mate of mine. Of course. Really good mate of mine. Um, and I think he might have been dropping my name in Wellesley's office. Because um, at that stage, they had like, obviously Boris, who's a legend, but he was coming towards the end. Yep. And Andrew Mackey was a bit older and uh, Domsey Lonigan. I was like, oh, there must be a spot on the halfback coming up soon. So I think he'd been kind of dropping my name around the club. But they came along pretty late in the piece, to be honest. I think it could have been after Boris announced his retirement, mm. which is obviously well post-season. And then they kind of made the approach. And at that stage, to be honest, I was like, yeah. Like if, if I'm going anywhere, it has to be to them. Why is it so, like, and, and from a public, like, yes, being in the system and knowing this publicly too, but why is Geelong such a place that people want to go to? Like mm. inside, what are the big things? Because obviously we hear about how much a destination club, we hear mm. about the culture and a great schedule, but what else is it? Yeah, there's a few things. I think it's geography does help, to yeah. be honest. So it's obviously right next door to Melbourne if you want to dip in and out, but... Like we have some guys uh, live 20 minutes away from Geelong City Centre. They're down in Torquay on the beach. Hawk and Reese and Jez are 20 minutes the other direction. They're living on acreage with cows and cattle and, and the rest of us are in town. So you kind of have every all your bases covered. Um, but man, it's just such a, like in a highly, highly stressful environment. They just take all the stress out of it. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you one tiny example of it that I almost thought... I almost thought this was a trick by Scotty when he first said it. Like, I thought it was a test of some yeah. kind. So, obviously, we play a lot of our home games in, at the MCG or just games at the MCG. And uh, one of the first times we played there, Scotty said in a meeting the day before on Captain's Run, he was like, if you're heading up to the G and there's a, an accident or you're just you're running late and you're not going to get there, he goes, as long as you get there before the ball is bounced, we'll get you warm. So, don't stress if you're sitting in the car and sitting in traffic. And I was sitting next to Hendo and I was like, this is a test. He's going to see now who, like who gets real casual and just rocks up an hour yeah. before the game. And he's like, no, that's just how he is. He's like, if it doesn't need to be any more stressful than it already is, like, why, would you, why would you have someone sitting in traffic freaking out about being late when they're on the way to round one or something? You know, it's these tiny oh, things. Well, like, I don't know that, but I, yeah. like, I wish I knew that. But let's just take that back a couple of years too. Now, let's, I'm not speaking ill of the club. This is just the time I was at. And to be honest, different clubs are at different periods, right? Because they've been successful for so long. You build that trust. Like mm -hmm. you build the trust of being like that, that the cats have. But remember when <laughs> there was a few times at Carlton when we were bottom of the ladder, you know, learning how to get that. And it was like, if you would one minute late, didn't weigh in, no, didn't hang like a towel. How scary was it? Like there was a one strike policy where it was just back <laughs> to the beach every morning. Man, 6 a.m. down at St. Kilda Pier. So we went down the St. Kilda Pier and there's a distinct memory, like I shouldn't laugh, but there's this distinct memory of like, it's fucking pitch black, middle of winter, like four, I reckon it was like 4 a.m. You could not see a thing. And we had to swim out around the flags. And I think 
I don't know if it was you, but I remember you used like, ki- yeah, maybe it was yeah, you. So it was you. It would have been me. Kieran remember, Sheehan. I don't remember yeah. it, but it would have been me. <laughs> I'm telling you. you, it was me. Kieran Sheehan and um and Kieran Byrne, and I think you guys had floaties on. I'm not even joking. I think you I actually had floaties on around, around the, the waist. Yeah, you took it, floaties out, and to I had s- to swim backwards because yeah. for whatever reason that was better. I guess yeah. I could breathe. That's what helps. But it was so cold. Like it was the coldest water, pitch black, <laughs> middle of winter. Like I'm, when people realize this, like actually think about swimming this distance around the flag was like 250 meters out, 250 meters back. Think about it in the middle of the night, not being able to swim, like zero degree. It was borderline hypothermic sort of like yeah. temperature. <laughs> then we had to get out and wrestle on the sand. <laughs> oh, I saw it all miss those that- days. Like... <laughs> And like to be honest, like that was I reckon that was the way back then for a lot of clubs. It yeah, was just it was. that kind of tough love sort of stuff. But like yeah, again, I, I'm actually I've enjoyed the experience going from sort of that type of environment. And by the way, I've just to be I absolutely loved my time. No, mate, me yeah. too. Yeah. And like the best people work there and, and I don't wanna sound like I'm speaking ill. It's just a different way of doing things. But going from there to like Geelong is so refreshing. I, I always think about the guys who do it the other way. Like oh, we'll yeah. go from like a more really kind of liberal team, system yeah. to like a, a hardcore military type. Yeah. I was like, that's got to be a tough change. Yeah. But um, and these guys, by the way, for all the Carlton supporters out there, just to say this is like ten years ago, nearly now. I'm sure it's changed. Yeah, yeah, it's then. a long time I'm ago. Sure. Well, but I, I hope I, it has. I genuinely loved. Um, like it was a great, it was a great place to be. The story um, is a pity. From yeah, those it's things. a pity. Like I guess we weren't a bit stronger in in that period, but um, I wouldn't change it for the world. No. And I. Uh, they might disagree with me when they see this, but my um, impression is that I've still got a pretty good relationship with the Carlton fans. Even when we play, there's yeah. always pretty healthy banter. I think I think they're kind of maybe smart enough to know that it wasn't just a case of me packing up shop yeah, and leaving. So. Definitely, definitely. Um, the flag, we'll talk about the flag. That's, that's pretty incredible, man. That's, that's pretty cool. Pretty well. Did I say incredible? <laughs> <laughs> pretty incredible. Man. You know what? So you're writing a book. <laughs> Are you doing the audio book as well? Oh, mate, they mentioned it. Yeah, I think I am. I'm so scared. It is so fucking hard. Man, I can't read. Like, Bro, I, I can't I, read. I just said incredible. <laughs> like when this guy, I've said this a couple of times, that I was there this morning. I've already had four hours of reading. So like my brain now is just like completely done. So I've had four, four hour sessions of reading the book. And after that, like, you just start making up words. Because you're not really just reading, are you? You're, you have to, like, you're tell in it. it. Like, you have like, to tell it. You're like, in, you, yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah. like you've got to actually <laughs> do the like, commas. And then it no, you've got to do the commas, and then there's this, and then it's like, so there's all the turn of phrase, yeah. and it's just Mate, like... They've said, they've said I, I'll be doing that. Yeah, I'm so pretty, scared. It's pretty... Um, before we get in... No, let's talk about the grand final, then, the book. So, grand yeah. final, what happened um, with that? You guys won. Congrats. <laughs> We did win. Yeah. Very observant. That was a big uh, that was a big win. You've got a big research team. Big <laughs> yeah, research a... team, I see. Did they win? Yeah, they won. Yeah, good. Um yeah, that was that was incredible. It it's just because we've come so close and not gotten there in the previous four yeah. or five years. So I actually don't know exactly, but obviously we lost one grand final and at least COVID. Two, that was so weird that the game. COVID year, yeah, that was a crazy year, man. Um at least two prelims oh three I can think of. So we, we yeah. came close a lot. Um and the previous year's prelim was a bit of a bloodbath. So it was like, you do, like, you just have the thoughts, is it ever going to happen? You really because do like. Everyone loved to write Geelong off two years yeah. ago after you won the flag. So they were like, oh, you know, as the it would always say, like, they're done, they're too yeah. old, they can't do it. But now yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh, they're coming. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone's like, funny. they're coming it's, back. They come if back we, around. If we'd had this year, 
that were having a year or two ago, it would, it, we would have been done. Yeah. Whereas I think maybe there's a little bit more um, belief in us there now. But yeah, last year was, we just kicked into gear halfway through the year. Mm. It was actually a game against Port Adelaide, which was the game for me where I genuinely walked off thinking, oh, I really think we're going to win it. Like, yeah. And I knew like every year we've been capable of winning it. Yeah. Um, I did feel for a lot of those years, we still had to knock off, say, a Richmond over the previous few years. or Like there was a team that we had to, we had to beat them. Post the Port Adelaide game last year, I think it, it was a pretty even game in the first quarter. We blew them out of the water in the second quarter. They blitzed us in the third quarter, like eight goals, nothing or something, like smacked us. And the game was on the line with four or five minutes to go at Adelaide Oval. And we just kind of got over them. And or like at that stage, we'd done that a couple of times. We had a really tight game against Richmond as well. I think maybe the week after, the week before. But it just felt like, God, we're just not losing games that mm. maybe we should be losing. Um so after that, I was like, I think this could really happen. And then, mate, like on the day, you just, you know, games where like teams have momentum and it swings and you can tell when you're on top and you just hope that you take advantage of the momentum when you have it. It just felt like we got it all day and it just never left. Um, and the first, by 10 minutes into the third quarter, when we kicked the first one or two in the second half, I was like, and I'm a bit of a pessimist, but even I was like, okay, I think... I think we're done here. Like, I think this could be it. Yeah. So I got to enjoy the last 40 minutes nice. of the game. And yeah. Yeah. Some of the visions, incredible. What was, um, what was a member, like for me, I suppose in this game, because it was pretty one-sided, mm. was there something <laughs> that stands out to you that you'd think, fuck, that was incredible? Like that wasn't yep. on the camera, wasn't sort of been shown on the field, but even just like an act before it, like we saw what Joel Salwood done yep. with um, with yeah. Gary Ablett yeah, and yeah, Levi, yeah, so like that was unbelievable. Yeah, was a f I mean, there was a few things. One that was on camera, <clears throat> which I've mentioned a few times as well, but it's easy to look at the game now and think, well, it kind of blew out to a pretty big margin, so no one thing mattered mm. um, that much. The game was nil all for 10, 10 or 11 minutes. Like yeah, it wasn't, they, they had the first few shots yeah, on goal, like in, I think. Yeah. Like we were kind of on top, but it was a bit of a stalemate. And then Hawk grabbed a couple out of the stoppage and Incredible. we kind of got going, but we were only a goal or two up when Mark O'Connor laid the tackle on, I think it was raw bottom, but I could be wrong. Um, like we, we had him hemmed in our forward half. We kicked a goal or two, still really tight. And they got like, they were just clean out. They just got out. And then he came charging from the fat side. Now, the tackle's great and it looks amazing, but what you don't see is pre that, he did a couple of massive efforts on the fat side, mm. running up and down the ground. That's the stuff people don't see. That's really like, like I play a lot on the wing now and it's all you do. Like if you get the ball 10 times on the wing, you're, you're nearly happy because yeah. you just spend so much time doing this. a kilometre and a half. Yeah, exactly. And he, he did a couple of massive efforts just before that, but people only see the great tackle mm. and it was a great tackle. But those moments, I was like, geez, like they're just not, yeah, they're mm. just not getting out here. Um, I'm not saying that's what turned the game or would have played out any differently, but I don't think you can just look at the result and say, ah, they could have done anything today yeah. and they would have won. That wasn't the case. That that was a big moment for me. Not that I got tagged very often, but I feel like if I did, Mark O'Connell would have to be the one bloke. I would just yeah. not want to come anywhere near me. Yeah, yeah, because like, he's a bigger unit than you think as well. like that farm strong. Yeah. You know, like he's just like, I feel like if he elbowed you by accident, he would just, yeah, it's yeah, just like he's, he's one of those guys that just like he's throw his arms around and, and end up knocking run. you out or something. He's one of our best oh, runners he, too. So he's, unbelievable. Yeah, and he's tough. Yeah, he's What's tough. he like? He's a good fat. He's super professional. Yeah. So he came from where he's from back home, Kerry or like a yeah. serious outfit. Um, football is all they live for. Um, so he came out and he was just primed. Like he debuted around six or seven in his first year. Yeah. I think maybe his second quickest ever for mm. an Irish guy. So he was like, and he was in the leadership group in three or four years. Unbelievable. Like coming from a different country. So 
kind of tells you all you need to know about them. But yeah. What other um, young Irish guys impress you at the moment in the AFL in general? Because I played with a guy up at the Giants. Um, yeah, Callum. Yeah, Callum Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah. I, he's having a great year at the minute. He's having such a good year. It, I, I seriously feel like he athletically is one of the most impressive people I've ever seen in my Feels life. Feels like a bit of a breakout year from so I think far. That he like he's had a, a few games. He could be a serious like, player. Yeah, like, he's had a few games player. this year. I was like, oh, I'm not sure I've seen that before. Yeah. Um, but obviously he had, he had all the signs. Um, it's just about getting a bit of understanding and continuity at the top level yeah, for these guys. I think as well, like that backline, learning to play backline first. Mm. You know, like every Irish guy, they're yeah, like, yeah. let's play him forward. It's like, how can you play? Not even fucking people that grow up with the game can play forward, yeah. let alone... Yeah. People that are just learning it. Like if you put them back, see the the game in front of you. Yeah. And since they've sort of put him back, this guy's like similar to Mark in a way. Like you wouldn't want him sort of playing on you because he's just so fucking quick. He's yeah, so he's long. Rapid, isn't he? Um, and he hits him hard too. Yeah, there's a few good guys. So Nash is the other one who's having like a proper breakout year, Connor yep. Nash. Yeah. Um obviously I don't know behind the scenes much what's going on, but I'd imagine he has to be going pretty well in their BNF. Mm. Like he's probably having a cracking year from Hawthorne yeah from Hawthorne Connor yeah, Nash right. yeah, yeah he's having a serious year um, yeah 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 wow. yeah um, yeah and we have um, Oshin as our other one oh I should let you try no. to say as <laughs> we talked about it off air yeah I said Oshin no you said Oilin no, no you said Oilin <laughs> you yeah, did but I said something else before as well <laughs> but that was that um, didn't make sense either he's speaking of like ready-made players who could explode at any stage he's another one yeah. But he's he's a well-established superstar back home, so it's not really a surprise. So from, I've heard as well in the media that he's like a Nick Dacos. Yeah. Is that true? Is that like yeah. a bad? That, that's kind of my fault. Like, I didn't, <laughs> did I didn't call say, him that, did I, you? No, I didn't say that. The, no. It was kind of, I, I was explaining how big a deal he is back home because he's, again, like the guy's been playing at the top yeah. level and he's like very well known. And the guy, somebody, whoever I was talking to, was like, oh, would it be like going there and taking Ireland's Nick Dacos? Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, he's he's proper good. And then it's like, Zach Tui says, oh, <laughs> is Nick Dacos. I was like, not really. But, um, yeah, no, he's man, he's a star. Uh, and like, another star as well in AFLW, um, Sarah Rowe. So mm -hmm. I don't know whereabouts she's from in Ireland, but I've met her a Mayo couple of times. Well. She is the funniest yeah, girl yeah. I've ever met in my life. <laughs> she played obviously Gaelic, yeah. AFLW, mm -hmm. and in the off season this year went and played for Melbourne City. It's incredible, isn't like, it? And she, she played soccer back home as well. well that's one of the big teams back she home. Was, she was doing some stuff with the Irish team for the Republic of Ireland yeah. when they were playing, and I was like, I wonder – how close they were to just going like, do you want to play? Well, she played, I'm pretty sure she played for Ireland underage. So like she is kind of at that level. I mean, what, that's an incredible yeah. kind of year to have, isn't it? Move from one sport to the other. Yeah, she's right. She's actually, I think she's got um, on a, something in psychology as well. So she's doing um, a Hi, few good things. Might have to, yeah, chat to her on the pod. Um, mate, talk us about off-field stuff. So obviously you got the family, you got businesses over in Ireland as well. You got the couple of, yeah, couple of cafes. Couple of cafes, Wandering Elk. Because so. you're a coffee man. So did you... Was there a lack of the Melbourne coffee yeah. in? Is that what I you're trying to do? I think there is everywhere. But yeah, yeah Ireland is a big coffee country, but yeah. it it's not as, um, it wouldn't be as top end as it is here. So that was kind of the gap I saw. And I always wanted to do cafes. I thought it'd be a cool thing to do post-career mm. and um, got a couple off the ground. Well, got one off the ground a couple of years ago, me a few months ago, um, set up the second one and we're doing donuts. We bought a bakery place now and we're doing donuts and treats. So it's all going really well. I'm in it with my sister um, back So home. she's running and back She's home. doing all the heavy lifting. That's I'm awesome. just the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm the sex symbol on the front that gets gets the ladies in the door. Um, the 60-year-olds, that's yeah. my demographic. 
Um, but it's gone really well, The Wandering Elk. Um, and Whereabouts in Ireland are they? Midlands, my hometown, a place called Portleash, and we've won the other ones in Athlone. Yeah. Um, but all like hopefully we'll set up another one or two, but it'll be in the Midlands of Ireland. So T- Top three things to do in Ireland for someone who hasn't been there before. Well, yeah, it depends a little bit on what you're going for. So there's a ton of history. So obviously it's um, like steeped in old castles and, and lots of really interesting history. Golf, it's one of the top golf destinations in the world. Mm. Um, you can go and sort of set up shop, say on the West Coast, down where Mark O'Connor's from. And within an hour or two, you've got a handful of the best courses, like seriously in the world. Mm. So if if you're into your golf. Does he play? I, he He's just kind of getting into it. Mm. No good. Okay. Best at Geelong. Yeah, better than that. No, 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 sorry. Cut that. We didn't, <laughs> no. we didn't need that. Um, are you the best at Geelong? No, no, no. A hawk could be the best. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He's at bar, bar and heads, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So boy. I think he's, I'm not sure what his handicap is now, but he got down to like one or two. Wow. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, now hawk is. He's just like, it's so handsome, annoying, man. It's big, so annoying. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. Fashionable. Yeah, it's frustrating. Good at golf. So he's, Hendo was the best, Lockie Henderson. Yeah. So he got to. Point six or just wow. above scratch. I saw Hendo up at the Mick Fanning Golf Day. Oh, that's right. You mentioned the golf yeah, yeah. Now. yeah, he's up there now. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a freak golfer. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that good. Jeremy Cameron as well. Oh yeah, he could be anything. You pl- yeah, you played with him. Yeah, he could yeah. Be anything. he's so oh. rangy. Man, he hits it so far. You know who I am better than? Not on on paper, but I am better than his Brad Close. Oh no, he's I just got that. he's got a bit of a rank swing. So he <laughs> So do I though. No, <laughs> so do I. Don't worry. It's uh, yeah, it's you there. you you'd have closely covered. Yeah. He'd I hate that too. <laughs> no, I would definitely have him covered. I think I have had him covered already. Um, mate, what's next for you? I know you're I think of obviously seeing today you're an incredible person, incredible character. I'd love to see you do some more media stuff. You do you were doing a podcast a while yeah. with, with Hendo. What was that about? So, well, we did a couple, yeah. We had the elephant rope, which was um was also the named after memory. a is that right? Well, elephants they do. have the longest memory. Yeah, but that was it was actually named after a little story I found as well. I love me stories Go and on. quotes. Give me another one. Hope I get it right now. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, 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 it, was, well. it was a baby elephant at a circus and it was it was bound say, to the ground by a, a chain and the chain was hammered into the ground and as a baby elephant it couldn't break this chain. Um, and as it grew, it became conditioned to believe mm. it couldn't break the chain, so it stopped trying, whereas in actual fact it could have very easily walked away and snapped it. So it's um, so we call the podcast The Elephant Rope. It's like about it. kind of breaking boundaries and just because you couldn't do something um, yesterday doesn't mean you can't do it today. That's kind of the moral. Love that. Um, actually, since we're on the topic of quotes and that, f- with the book that uh, I will be doing, um, I, in my notes, have dozens of quotes and little stories that I save. I loved them. I've done it my whole career. I've got some from years ago. Like, And, and they're all just like those, like yeah, Chinese farmer and the, yeah. the elephant rope and stuff like that. I love them because I reckon they're really good at like simplifying more complex ideas just down into little bite-sized stuff that you can digest instead yeah. of trying to um, think too deeply about these. But yeah, we call that the elephant rope for that reason. Um, and then, yeah, he... Uh, he moved away and it became a little bit logistically more difficult to do. Yeah, it's a good guess on that. Obviously, big Judd man. Judd, yeah, we Judd on the first one, yeah. Mick, um, with Sally Fitz, we had um, uh, the street barber, Nazir. Yes. He's, he's the best in Geelong. He's an incredible story. I thought, because I see his stuff all the time. I serious, I thought he was like from the US. I always assumed he was, man, because I'd seen his stuff as well. But he's based in Geelong now. He has a, a barber's just off uh, Packington Street yeah, in so Geelong. For people out there not sure what we're talking about, this guy... Um, the street barber goes around and cuts. Is it once a week or cuts a homeless person's yeah, they, hair and just, and just hear their story and, and yeah, documents it. It's bloody unbelievable. And his own story is pretty full on too. Yeah, so wow. he had some addictions early in his life and got yeah. through that. But yeah, so man, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed this kind of format. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm always open to kind of doing more and getting a bit more exposure. But um, yeah, post career, I'll delve into it a bit. Yeah, we'll, a have, bit to, more. we'll yeah. have to link up on something for sure. There's plenty of stuff to do. The other one is a book. So what's what's the process with a book at the moment? When's it expected? What's like the general? Yeah, obviously you so, book about yourself, but um, I shouldn't shouldn't say this about my own book. Yeah. Personally, I don't feel like I almost deserve it. Like I just oh, don't. Mate, if you don't deserve a book, what the fuck am I doing with one? Honestly, I'm walking around. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? It was just. Um, it was just a. Weird, it's actually embarrassing. Uh, like I, it's, I'm like, yeah, I got a book. They're like, what? no. Like, it's um, yeah. It was just strange. Like I just, I kind of, I guess I'm a bit of a. When it comes to myself, I'm a bit beat myself up a fair yeah. bit. It's just, it's probably a sports thing as well. I think anyone who plays football judges oh, themselves mate, you're pretty you're the harshly. Worst in the world, yeah, it judges yeah. themselves pretty harshly. So the idea of doing a book was like really, but anyway. So it's um, I actually had a pretty deep think about what angle to take on it because I I don't really want it to just be a like autobiography. An, an, yeah, yeah, and it, I guess it will. I mean, there's only so many ways you can spin it, but um, I think I'm going to put a, a fairly heavy parenting angle on it. Um, and at the I have. I think an idea where I'm going to sort of write a letter um, at the end of the book and I'm going to try and summarize everything and that letter is going to be for the kids, for my kids. Um, And each sort of chapter is talking about quotes. uh, You know, I have a a quote or a a very, very short story at the start of each chapter that I think will summarize the analogy, maybe something like the elephant rope or the Chinese farmer, one of those little stories. And then refer it back to your life in the story. Yeah, like one that seems relevant to whatever I'm about to talk about. So like I have a few little things I'm working on, but... um, that's the angle I'll go at. Now I don't know how exactly it's going to turn out, but yeah. it's been it's been a fun experience so far. So next year, next year pre Christmas, I guess is when is when they all come out. So Mate, working that, on it at the minute. That'll be incredible. I mm. sort of taken a similar path to not talk about myself as much as possible, but it's uh, similar in the fact of like instead of the analogies I've used the podcast guests we've had yep. on, what I've learned from them. Yep. You'll make the next book. Uh, what I've learned from you, and it's like sort of best way to do it but it's sort of like for me i've written it in the way of like going what i wish i had when i was 18 exactly sort of thing like exactly what i wish i knew but the beauty of it is like you sort of wish you didn't know it otherwise you wouldn't have learned yeah yeah exactly well that's the job as a parent isn't it it's kind of take what you have and let them figure it out themselves like you want you want to arm them with as much information as you can you don't want to just send them out and Mm. let's say figure it all out yourself like you want them to avoid some of the pitfalls you had but they're going to find their own. Like, how yeah. could you not? Especially if you are going to, like the stuff we talked about, if you do want to push them out there. Can I give you an analogy? I'd love one. Oh, you like this one, I reckon. I'll have to send you the, the video as well that it goes with it. And I, I've got to remember where I'm going with it in the first place. But there's an analogy of this, um, these two guys, right? And they walk past a homeless man on the ground. And I do talk about this one a bit because I just love it. And this guy, what the, the first person who walks past this homeless man, he's asking for money, asking for help. And the first guy's grown up uh, without much. He's learnt that, you know, if he wants something, he has to do it himself. He idolises heroes and um, Greek warriors and, um, you know, people that have, like, conquered things. And the guy walks past and he asks for money. And the guy goes, "Um, why would I give you my money? Like, I've fucking worked hard for this. Like, Mm. if you want to do something, you can go and do it yourself. Like, Like I have. I've come from nothing as well. So he walks off. The next person walks past the same guy for money, but this guy has come from, you know, money. He's learnt that he, you know, everything he's come, he's very grateful for it. He's learnt that, you know, not everyone grows up like him and has, you know, a way to be able to go on with life and friends and family and great support networks. So, you know, it gives him a dollar. Mm. And the analogy that, you know, goes past it is each one 
none of them are like, right or none of them are wrong. Yeah. It's just knowing that both exist and knowing that you can come mm. into both at each time. It's just knowing that people come from different areas and they have different beliefs. That's why they are the way they are. So it's like for me, I was straight away when I first read it, I was like, yeah, I'm the first guy. But then took myself back going, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the part of it. I need to be both people. Well, it's like, the range you thing both. you were the talking range, about, yeah, isn't it? You it's need to be range. the both. Yeah, 100%. So um, where I was going with that actually in an even more wider place was I've been thinking so much about, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself and working out the way I am where I am and people – there's this one thing that annoys me a little bit, and I'm always wary of saying it annoys me because I might change my mind in you know six mm. months' time, but this analogy of like we are who we are because of what happened to us uh, you know, in our first seven years of our life. So I don't know if you've heard that. Like a lot of psychologists say, yeah. you know, you are what's dictated who you are. But I think for me, you look at that and you go, well, I could look at all those things that I've been through, say, you know, that person before, say if they've grown up with um, – someone that's, you know, for my own situation, you know, dad being uh, struggling with alcohol, you know, I had my own anxiety stuff, all these little bits about growing up and I've turned out the way I am. Mm. But there's also, it was my decision to also, I could have gone all the other way as well. Yep. So as much as you're growing up, it's also more of a choice of what you turn to do with those yeah. situations rather than the situation itself. Yeah, it's like the twins, isn't it? Who yeah, grew up the in twins. the same house and yeah. have the same experiences and one ends up in Harvard and one ends up at a, yeah. an addiction of some kind. Like it's how you parse it all in your yeah. mind and how you view it. And that's why with like being a dad now, that's all I think about is like I, you have to like have this way to install such love and stuff in your kids but then also know that it's up to them. Mm. Like tough, tough and respectful. Yeah, that's the two things I will say to Flynn. Yeah, because he's really kind, generous sort of soul, mm. um, and he's like, "Don't lose that, please." Yeah, um, but you want to make sure he's got a sort of thicker skin when he needs it. It's like tough and respectful. That's all I want you to be. That flex, yeah, yeah. Should we name it flex? How good is that, <laughs> mate? Um, can't thank you enough for coming in today. I really appreciate Pleasure, it. Bloody learn a lot. I'm, I am seriously proud of you of what you've been able to achieve as well. Thank and you. I don't say that say that lightly I think um yeah from knowing you from a long time ago to what you've done now I just sit back in awe and and I'm not surprised I think like that's the best part I had a question in here today that I I thought you would answer a certain way and you answered it the way I want you wanted it to it was like are you surprised you've done it with mm -hmm. the Jim Steins thing and I don't think you are surprised because I think that you knew you were going to do it um one way or another because that's a guy you are so appreciate your time hopefully another flag for you boys this year and um, here to support with whatever you can with uh, what I was next. Look forward to it. Thanks for Thanks, having me, Matt. Appreciate, Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in. Illy XX.